Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day to all of our fathers and to every one of you that has a father. Uh, if you would turn with me to Daniel chapter 2, that's where we'll be uh, in the Word of God today. As you look there, I want to remind you of a, one of the lyrics that we just sang, one of the truths that we just sang as we're singing, uh, Good, Good Father, we sang that I've seen many searching far and wide, but we're all searching for answers that only you provide. And uh, today we're going to be reminded of that in this text. We're going to be reminded that there are questions that we need answers to, that there are dilemmas and situations that we need help and strength in, and that no matter how far and how wide you look, that the only help, that the only one that you will find that can do those things is God. And some of you may be there this morning. Some of you may have come in this morning and you have received some news or something has happened this week or in the past month and you are searching and you are looking and you are hoping. And I want you to be reminded, I want you to be encouraged today that God has whatever it is that you need. So just to, to help us understand where we are in Daniel chapter 2, in case you haven't been with us the past few weeks, in, in Daniel 2, we've already seen the setting of Daniel that that these are God's people. The, the ones that we're looking at today, the specific ones, uh, are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I call them the Fantastic Four. So anytime you hear me say Fantastic Four, that's who I'm talking about. These four men, young men, they're Hebrew people. They are God's chosen people. And they've been taken from Jerusalem, which was home, to Babylon. They're in exile there. They're being punished by God, and they're in exile there. But last week we saw that God's power travels, that His power it was not just confined to the space of the promised land in Jerusalem, but it can go anywhere. And so we saw God doing mighty things in Babylon. We're going to see that continue today. So uh, we're going to see three different sections in this text today. We're going to cover all of chapter 2. It's one narrative piece. But we'll see three things. Uh, and I was very proud of myself this week as I made these alliterated. So we have the dilemma What's going on here? What's the problem? We have the dilemma, we have the disclosure, and we have the delivery. I was very proud of myself, trying to be regular old Adrian Rogers. But let's begin here. Look with me. What is the dilemma? What's the problem? What's going on in this text? What problem needs to be solved? We see that in verses 1 and 2. It says, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dream. So they came in and stood before the king. And so really, here's the setting here. King Nebuchadnezzar, right, he's king of Babylon. He's most powerful king of the greatest nation in the world at this point in time. And he has some really bad dreams. One specific one that we'll see in just a little bit is very troubling to him. And so as he has these dreams and he doesn't know what they mean and he wants an interpretation, he calls for the wise men to be brought in. And the wording here tells us that they brought in all of the wise men, all of the ones throughout the entire kingdom which would have covered most of the known world at this time. All the wise men were brought in. And here's what these men usually did. You would bring them in and you would show them a sign. Maybe you saw some crazy flower growing and you'd say, what does this mean? And they'd interpret. Or you had a dream and you would tell them the dream and they would give you its interpretation. But that's how these wise men work. You showed them or told them something 
and they interpreted it for you. But the problem here, part of the dilemma of Daniel chapter 2, is the king doesn't want to do things that way anymore. Now, they come in and they say, tell us your dream and we'll tell you what it means. But King Nebuchadnezzar says, no, I want you to tell me what my dream was and then tell me what it means. I want you to stop for just a moment and think about that. I have had before my kids come into our room in the middle of the night and say that I had a bad dream. Right? Uh, some of you have talked to your spouse or your coworkers before, and they say, I have this recurring dream that's happening over and over, and I don't know what it means. And so we always say, well, tell me your dream, and maybe I can, you know, for your child, maybe I can help comfort you, tell you that's not going to happen. Or you have this recurring dream, tell me what it is, and I'll help you understand maybe why you're having it. But imagine your kid comes in in the middle of the night and says, Daddy, I had a bad dream. And you say, well, what happened? Let me try to reassure you. And they say, no. If you're going to reassure me, I want you to tell me what I dreamed, what I dreamt, and then tell me what it means. Good grief, Chip, don't do that to me. Uh, that's what these guys do. The king says, tell me my dream, and then tell me what it means. And I want you to see there are two different reactions to this. We see the reaction of the king's wise men, and we see the reaction of the Fantastic Four who are and the purpose of being God's wise men here on earth. So look in verses 10 and 11 as it says the Chaldeans, these would have been the Babylonian wise men. It says the Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Here we see that even these pagan wise men, these wise men that don't even know the real God, the only gods that they know are fake gods, they're idols, right? But even these men recognize that the king is asking for something that only a God could do. Point one this morning, King Nebuchadnezzar desired something that only God could provide. Want someone to tell him his dream and then interpret that dream for him. He desired something that only God could give him. So the king here is let down by the wise men. The wise men come in and they let the king down. Now, that's not good for the wise men because the king's already told them, if you don't tell me the dream and don't tell me its interpretation, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to have every one of you torn limb from limb. And all of your houses are going to be laid waste. And so the stakes are pretty high here. King says, tell me the dream, tell me its interpretation, or you will all die. And they say, King, listen, what you're asking, nobody can do. Now, I, I want us to think for just a moment about you personally. I want to step outside of Nebuchadnezzar and his dream and the wise men. I want, to, I want you to think about your life because we have all, I believe, been in the situation that King Nebuchadnezzar's in here. Something happens in your life. Maybe it's not a dream, right? Maybe you get some news at work. Maybe your doctor gives you some news. Maybe you lose a family member. And all of a sudden, you want answers. You want understanding. Or maybe you say, I, I don't care why this has happened. I don't need answers, but I need peace. I am so anxious, and I am so worried, and I need peace or it seems like this is never going to get better and you need hope. But you, we've all been in the place for where we were searching for something 
that only God could give us. We were searching for something that whenever you went to your friends, they couldn't give to you. And whenever you called your father and asked him, he didn't know the right answer either. And nobody could do what you were asking them to do. It's like the Chaldean said here, there's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. And sometimes in our life, there are things that we need that no man on earth can do either. So the response of the Babylonian wise men is, throw up their hands. We're done. We're finished. There's nothing we can do. But Daniel has a different response. Look with me in Daniel 2. We're going to skip in the narrative for time's sake, forward to verse 17. And that in-between text there, Daniel gets this news. Right, if you just to be clear, Daniel, the Fantastic Four, they are wise men in Babylon. So if they don't give the answer, they're going to be torn limb from limb. Right, they're going to be killed as well. So Daniel asked if he can see the king, and then before he goes to see the king, we see his response to this great demand. Verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And I love the, the praise of Daniel there in verses 20 through 23. We're going to look at that a little bit Wednesday night. It's beautiful words. It's written as a poem or a psalm. But here we move into the second section of the sermon. We, we go from the dilemma, right? We've seen the dilemma, and now we see the disclosure. The wise men of Babylon throw up their hands and say, there's nothing we can do, there's no way that we can make this happen. But what does Daniel do? Daniel says, there's no way that I can make this happen unless God makes this happen. And so he goes and he tells his friends, y'all pray. Y'all pray with me. And they get on their knees and they pray and they seek God and they ask God for mercy. God, be merciful to us. God, give us the understanding that we don't have and God does. He discloses the dream to Daniel. He tells him exactly what it is that Daniel needs to know. And Daniel praises him. And Daniel talks about how great God is. And so then he goes in to see the king. And Daniel is very clear. I love the humility of Daniel here. Not only does Daniel recognize that he has to ask God for this help. But then when he goes to see the king, he makes sure that the king understands that this isn't about Daniel. It's about God as well. Look in verse 27. It says, Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in the bed, in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Daniel said at least three different times, King, I've got the answer, but it's not because of me. It's because of the God who reveals mysteries. And I love that beginning of verse 28. I love that. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Point two is this, God knows all things. 
Brothers and sisters, if you are lacking wisdom, we're told in James that when we lack wisdom and when we seek it from God, that He will generously give us that wisdom and understanding that we need. We see here that that when there are things that we can't do on our own, that there are things that our friends can't do and our fathers can't do, and that our co-workers can't do, and that our government can't do, that we have now run into something that only God can do. But the good news is God can do anything, and God can do everything. And they needed understanding, and God had the understanding, and God mercifully and graciously gave that understanding to Daniel. He gave him the thing that he needed. So then we move to the final section. It's the delivery. Right? We saw the dilemma. Then we saw God disclosing the dream to Daniel. And so then Daniel goes to deliver it to the king. And he tells the king that's sitting about him. He tells, God, he tells the king, he makes sure that he understands that he has asked for something that no, something no man can do, but something that only God can do. And in verses 31 through 45, Daniel tells him the dream and he interprets the dream. But again, for time's sake, I'm not going to read all of 31 through 45. I do recommend that you go back and read all of Daniel 2 in its entirety if you haven't. I'm going to summarize part of this for us this morning. So he begins speaking and he's telling him what the dream is. And in essence, the the king sees two things in the dream. And the first thing is a statue. It's this huge statue and it has a head that's made out of gold. And it has a chest and arms that are made out of silver. And a midsection that's made out of bronze. And legs that are made out of iron. And then feet that are made out of a compilation. But a large part of it is clay. And so we see the the order of these things going down, right? From the, the gold to the silver to the bronze all the way down to the clay, and, and he explains that these are successive kingdoms that are going to come. That's the, the, the interpretation of this statue. Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar are the golden part of the, the head of the statue, this, this gold standard of kingdoms, and, and after them would come another kingdom, and, and it would be a little bit less, and then after them would be another kingdom, and it would continue all the way down. And, and we could spend a lot of time, and people have spent a lot of time trying to decide Well, if this kingdom is Babylon, then this kingdom must be Persia. And is this one Greece or is this one Rome? But we're not going to spend time on that this morning because it's it's not the main point of this dream and it's not the most important thing for us to see this morning. But what we do see here as he's delivering this and he's explaining, I told you there are two things the king sees. There's the statue and then there's a rock or a stone. And I want you to read that with me. Verse 34, Daniel 2, 34 says, as you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found, but the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And now again... Whenever we get to Daniel chapter 7 and read Daniel 7 through 12, you're going to see a lot of apocalyptic imagery like this that's very difficult for us to interpret, but thankfully the interpretation is given to us here. But so this was surprising to me the first time I ever read this. You read about this great statue and all of the metals that it's made out of and how big it is, and it appears that the whole dream is going to be centered around this statue. 
And all of the kingdoms that it represents and all these things. But you see the statue and you hear about what it's made out of. And after you spend all that time studying and looking at this statue, all of a sudden the stone comes in and smashes the statue into a million pieces and the statue is blown away like dust in the wind. That's the end of the statue. The the dream isn't about the statue. Look in verse 44 as he explains the idea of this stone that comes in destroys the statue and grows into a mountain that fills the whole earth. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation, sure. See, one of the main things that we have to recognize about this stone is that the stone, the statue, and these these things it's made out of would have been made by human hands, but this stone was cut by no human hands. And the idea there is that this is a stone that is brought about by God. This kingdom is different than all of the other kingdoms. And this kingdom is brought about by God, and we're going to spend most of our time Wednesday night looking at the picture of this eternal kingdom. We're going to look at the picture of God's kingdom. I want to see at least four things about God's kingdom. But I'm going to go ahead and give you the main point of it today. And it's point three. Point three, God is God of an everlasting kingdom. The only everlasting kingdom. You see, there's Babylon and Persia and Greece and Rome, and every one of them is eventually going to be shattered into a million pieces and blown away like dust in the wind. They're not going to last forever. And it continues. Sometimes we don't like to think about this as much, but today's United States falls in the same category. A great kingdom, a great nation for a time. But brothers and sisters, it will not last forever. The place that we live, the rule of this nation on earth, will not last forever. It will eventually fade. It will eventually be gone. So here we see, I showed you earlier, that the king was let down by the wise men. Right? The wise men couldn't do what the king needed them to do. And here we also see that the wise men are also eventually going to be let down by the king. Right? The king wanted the wise men to give him some understanding that only God could. And just like all of us want our government to protect us forever, we are reminded here that that won't happen forever. Just like these wise men, they would have desired that they had protection from all of the outside fears, all of the outside enemies, that the king of Babylon and that the nation of Babylon and that the walls of Babylon and the army of Babylon could protect them forever. But the truth that we see here is that wasn't going to happen. Eventually, the wise men let the king down and the king would also let the wise men down. If you trust in men, if you trust in governments, if you trust in corporations, if all of your hope is in any of those things, then you are eventually going to be let down. There will be a time that your friends or your own wisdom will not be enough. There will be a time that the corporation, that the nation, that the government will fade away. The only thing that will last forever is God and His rule and His authority and His kingdom.
I've told people recently that, that I've often had conversations around how churches are doing through this pandemic and, and what that's looked like and how they've made decisions. And, and I've told several of you that, that the more that I talk to other pastors and leaders at other churches and hear about some of the, the troubles or struggles that they've had or some of the divisions that they've had, how much more thankful I've been for Mount Zion. Right, for how we've been able to be faithful and coming, how we've been able to be faithful to continue doing ministry and food pantry and things of that nature, even through the middle of this pandemic. How charitable and gracious we've been to one another. So as I see how many troubles they've had, it makes me more thankful for the things we've had here. And I pray that it's the same here with you, brothers and sisters. I pray that, that as we see how deficient people are, that as you see that your friends won't always have the answer and that governments won't always have the answer, that as you see the deficiencies of people, that it magnifies the, the fact that God always has the answer. God always has the wisdom, that God always has the strength, and that He always will. And so maybe today you start, you're starting to ask this question, how did I get on that bandwagon? Right? God, this God that rules everything, God, this God that can always give me hope and that can always give me peace no matter what's going on, this one that has all the understanding, how do I get to be part of that kingdom? This one that's going to rule forever, how do I get to join that kingdom? Now, I'll finish by pointing you to Luke chapter 20. If you have your Bible, I'd invite you to turn there for just a moment. There's a parable in Luke chapter 20. It's the parable of the, the wicked tenants, as it's called. And there are these tenants, these people that are renting a vineyard from the man that owns it. And so their job is to run the vineyard and to gather the grapes and things and, and to give some of the grapes and some of the profits from it to the man that owns it, right? To the landlord. That's their rent that they're supposed to pay. Well, they don't pay rent. And they're not in the middle of a pandemic, so there's no moratorium on rent. They're supposed to pay rent. So the owner sends some messengers to tell them, you need to pay the rent. Well, what do they do? They beat up the messenger and they send him back. And this happens again and again and again. And eventually the man says, I'm tired of sending messengers. I'm going to send my son. They'll recognize the authority of my son and they'll pay him the rent. They won't treat him like they treated the messengers. And they don't treat the son like they did the messengers. They kill him. They treat him even worse. And it's a picture of human history, right? God has sent to Israel and to his people, prophet after prophet, carrying his message, telling them what they needed to do, calling them to repent, and they didn't. And so eventually, God sends his son. It was the plan all along. And Jesus comes to earth and tells people what they should do and calls them to be part of the kingdom and calls them to humble themselves and repent. And what happens? The people kill Jesus. But we see in the Bible that this death of Jesus isn't some terrible tragedy, but it's part of God's glorious plan. And what it does is it offers forgiveness to everyone that in his death he paid the price for our sins. And in that we start to see how you can be part of this kingdom. Because God sent his son to offer us forgiveness and to offer us reconciliation. And when you place your faith and trust in Christ, his son... When you believe what the Bible says about him and you give your life over to him, now you're part of this kingdom. Now you're one of God's children. Now when you lack something, you can be like Daniel and you can pray 
and God will give us the things that we need. Not everything that we want, not everything that we ask for, but he will give us the things that we need. Why am I telling you that parable? Why do I mention that parable after reading Daniel chapter 2? If you're looking there in Luke 20, I want you to look with me at verses 17 and 18. Jesus tells them the parable and they say, surely that's not how this thing really plays out. And listen to his answer in verse 17. But he looked directly at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Jesus here refers to himself as a stone, as an everlasting stone. He refers to himself as the most important stone, the cornerstone, but he refers to himself in language that's used in Daniel as the stone that, that everyone who goes against it is either, the two choices that he gives there in verse 18, will either be broken to pieces or the stone will fall on them and crush them. But either way, whenever something is broken into pieces and whenever something is crushed, we see in the same picture that we see with the statue in Daniel chapter 2. It's broken into lots of pieces and it's blown away like chaff in the wind and it is no more. Brothers and sisters, there are two options that emerge from Daniel chapter 2. Either you are part of God's kingdom and you have God's wisdom and you have God's mercy and you have God's grace and you have God's help and His hope and His joy and His peace and His everlasting life or you're opposed to Him. And the picture of being part of God's kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ is a beautiful picture and the picture of being opposed to Him is a terrible one. It's a picture of being broken into a million pieces and blown away. Not lasting forever, but coming to a terrible end. So I ask you today, where do you stand? Are you with the God who reveals all mysteries and has all understanding? Or are you opposed to Him? Because in this, Daniel said, the dream is certain. This is the future. This is what's going to happen. So I pray this morning that if you don't know God through faith in Jesus Christ, that you would come to know Him. We're not going to have a time of invitation right now, but if you have questions about that, you can ask me, you can call me, you can text me, you can stick around after today, and I will answer them. But just know that I want to help you in any way that I can to come to a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. If y'all would join me in this end by praying this morning. Father God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the beautiful picture of Daniel chapter 2, Lord, that, that we don't have to depend on people. Because, Lord, it has not worked out well for us in the past. We have all been hurt by someone who turned their back on us, Father, and we've all been disappointed whenever the people that we trust most didn't have the answers. Lord, whenever our trust in ourselves has failed because we didn't know what to do and we didn't know where to turn. Father, I'm thankful for the beautiful picture of Daniel chapter 2 where you show us that we don't have to depend ultimately in other people because we can depend ultimately in you. That you always have the answers. That you always have the power. That you always have the strength. That you always have a plan. Lord, thank you for the beauty of that. Thank you for the reminder of the great God that you are. 
Lord, thank you for the beautiful picture of your everlasting kingdom. Lord, I pray this morning that our hearts are joyful. Those of us that know you through Christ, Lord, I'm thank- I pray that we're joyful and excited to know that this is our Father. This is your kingdom. The one that will last forever, that will shatter every other kingdom, that will destroy everyone that opposes you, everyone that comes against you, Lord, that you will never fail, but they will always fail. Lord, thank you for that reminder of how great and amazing you are. Lord, help us to always praise you and worship you because you are the only one that's worthy of those things. Lord, I do also pray. Lord, I pray this morning for those that are here that are hurting and searching for answers, searching for hope. Lord, I pray that they would look forward in you. Lord, I pray that you would comfort their hearts and that you would allow them to know that you are near to them. Lord, I also pray that if there are any here this morning that don't know you, that don't have a relationship with you through Christ, that have never come in faith, that have never received and trusted the gospel, Lord, that they would do that today, that they would recognize the importance of that and that they would desire to be your child and to give their life to you, the only one, again, that is worthy of such things. Father, be with us as we leave this place, as we celebrate fathers. Lord, thank you for the gift that fathers are. But, Lord, thank you most of all for the Father that you've been to all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Just a couple announcements. Virtual Vacation Bible School is this week. If your kids are doing that, you can pick up the bags on the way out um, and take part in that. We're thankful for that. If you see someone that takes part with the children's ministry at East Haven, let them know how much we appreciate them letting us come alongside and be part of that with them. Uh, And we will have church this Wednesday night. We're going to meet at 6 o'clock. The youth will meet uh, over in the fellowship hall. An adult prayer meeting will be here in the sanctuary. So you're all invited to that. Come and join us for that. We won't have children's classes yet. We won't have any other small group classes. But the youth will meet. And then everyone else that would like to come from age zero all the way up is welcome to come in here into the sanctuary. So we'll see you Wednesday night at 6. And if not, we'll see you next Sunday morning outside at 9 or in here at 10. Thank you all for coming. I pray you have a wonderful week.